from the Financial Times in New York. I'm Sujit Indap, and this is FT News. Doctors in the U.S. are wasting hundreds of millions of dollars a year prescribing expensive branded medicines when cheaper generic alternatives are available, according to analysis from the FT. Joining me to discuss is the author of the report, David Crow. Hi, David. Hi. To start the discussion, just the basic model of of pharma. The idea is you have a drug, it's very expensive to develop, it takes billions of dollars, many years, but ultimately when you get it to market, you can sell it at a relatively high price and recoup those investment costs. That's supposed to be a finite period for, say, five or 10 years, and then uh, generics are introduced and it becomes a much more reasonably priced product. Is that a fair general characterization of the pharma product life cycle? That's how it's supposed to work, yeah. You have this great discovery, it costs you an awful lot of money and time. You bring it to market. You charge a price that allows you to recoup your investment and also rewards your investors, many of whom mm -hmm. will have bet on losing drugs. And so, you know, when there's finally a success, uh, should should get a, a return. And this has been the argument that has constantly been made by the industry in recent months as companies like Gilead have been criticized right. for making a $1,000 pill per day pill right. that, that can cure hepatitis C or Martin Shkreli overnight uh, raising the price of uh, Daraprim, which was a drug that was is given to AIDS sufferers. And the argument that the pharma industry constantly makes is this is okay because once the timer goes off, everything gets incredibly cheap and society benefits for all time. Right. And so there's this, been this idea in pharma of a patent cliff, right? The big uh, U.S. pharma companies that were getting rich, say, during the 90s and two early 2000s were facing this cliff at the early part of this decade where all their great drugs would fall off and there would be all this generic competition and their revenues would slide uh, relatively quickly. Let, let's run with this metaphor of a pharma cliff because as, as the pharmaceutical industry would have it, mm -hmm. they sort of automatically walk over and plunge to their deaths whenever the drug goes off patent. But that right. isn't quite how things work. First of all, they cling to the edge of the cliff mm -hmm. with dear life. They For dear life, they um, do all sorts of finicky things with their patents. They do this thing called evergreening, where you make a tiny change to the drug, maybe in the size or the shape or the formulation, and then you renew your patents and you get a longer period of exclusivity. They do this thing called pay for delay where they spot where the generic is coming from and they go to that company and they say, if we bung you some money, will you keep your drug off the market for a little bit longer? Now that's a war of attrition. Eventually right. they lose it and they fall off the edge. And then they would have you believe that sales go to zero. And that's not quite the case. Sales do fall dramatically and no one is saying that they don't. But they go to great lengths to ensure there is still a market for the brand. And the brand gets very expensive, mm -hmm. much more expensive than, than the generic. In some cases, you know, $30 per pill versus a few cents for the generic. And this is what the article Yeah, so this about. is what your research found, that in fact, this is not a cliff, but it's more of a gentle slope down. And pharma companies are managing that pretty effectively. And so... For all the difficulties the pharma companies have had in recent years, at least from an investor point of view, what uh, what should investors take away from this uh, insight that, in fact, the, the cliff is something much more gentle, uh, perhaps, than that? Well, I think, I think that the cliff is still a big problem. I don't want to give the impression that this is a nice, gradual process. I think that there's nothing that strikes fear into the heart of pharma executives as losing exclusivity on on their blockbuster drugs but 
I think that there is a risk for investors insofar as the pharmaceuticals industry is sort of trying to have its cake and eat it. If the main argument it makes for innovative pricing is that generics provide headroom for the payers to afford the innovative new drugs is undercut by the fact they are not sort of honoring that compact, if you like, that they are sort of uh, skirting close to the edge of of the moral code on on that, then people are going to start looking, payers are going to start looking at the innovative pricing more closely. So I think that they need to be squeaky clean at the other end. And and, and that's sort of the argument here. So there seems to be some kind of like public policy or social outcome failure here, right? That in fact, spending on drugs is probably higher than it should be because big pharma is able to ring out uh, kind of high prices for a longer period than they probably should. So in that value chain, which is very complicated, where do you think the the failure is or what uh what in that value chain could be could be optimized or improved from kind of a broader social point of view well it's very difficult to know because pricing especially in the US the world's largest and most profitable healthcare market transparency is is very hard to come by so there are there's a sticker price for a drug which often is very high mm-hmm. um and then there's a negotiated price for a drug and then even within that negotiated price, there is often a rebate right. for the health insurer or the pharmacy benefit manager, the middleman between the, the person who's paying and the person or who's that's selling. Or like Express Scripts. Express Scripts, CVS, right. um, pe- people like that. And they often get rebates in exchange for access to their, you know, to their populations, if you like. You put me on your formulary, your list of approved drugs, and I will bung you this much money back. And nobody knows what those rebates are. Nobody can get to the real real price, the real negotiated final price paid. Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult to know exactly where things are going wrong. Payers still say, though, that they're paying too much. Yeah. So this week there was this very large transaction uh, involving one of these big pharma companies, Pfizer, the classic big pharma, if you will, that's been in the middle of patent cliff and uh, big drugs kind of going off uh, off patent and facing generic uh, competition. Uh, what's uh, what's driving this deal? It's kind of part of this story of uh, where big pharma is going to try to find growth and where the opportunities are. Well, it's it's quite interesting because one of I've sort of had a lot of. Uh, feedback, if you like, from people since I did this uh, article, people in the industry who say, you know, this issue of selling branded, expensive branded medications when there's a generic available is a side issue, doesn't really matter. So here, as a point of comparison, Pfizer has spent $14 billion on Medivation, which makes this drug called Extandi which has quarterly sales in the region of about $300 million a year, of which Pfizer gets half because it shares the spoils with Astellas, a Japanese company. Right Now, Pfizer made $2 billion in the first half from these pricey, old, off-patent branded medications. So it is a big earner, and it's 100... That's going to be like Lipitor. Lipitor... A, a drug, Xanax, right. uh, people will have heard of. And it is a big earner for them, not least because at this point, it's almost 100% profitable. You know, there's no research and development costs associated. The drugs are well known. Maybe there's a sales force out in the field. Quite often, there's So the margin is like 95% or 100% The margin is incredibly high. And some people today are arguing that 
the Medivation deal has been done at too high a premium. Mm -hmm. In February, the Medivation shares were a little over $20. Come March, when Sanofi starts sniffing around and, and Medivation hires bankers, they go a little bit above 30 and Pfizer takes them out for a little bit above 80. So, you know, massive premium compared to where they were. You keep on spending big, you want to wring every last, you know, uh, dollar from that drug. And I'm sure at the end of the life cycle of Extandi, when it's facing the loss of patent protection, they'll have to do something quite similar. Yeah. Where, where's the next battle in pharma pricing? What are the things we should be paying attention to uh, in the coming months and years, what's the next uh, front in, in this uh, war between pharma companies, the public, and everyone else in, in the healthcare uh, space? Well, there's a couple of therapeutic areas uh, I think that people should be watching very closely. The first one, and it's uh, sort of dovetails with this piece of work that we've done on generic drugs, is biosimilars. Mm-hmm. These are kind of generics, but not quite. A lot of the new medicines that are coming out now are cleaved from living proteins. Um, and so it's in biotech. Biotech, yeah. chemistry. They're, they're cells, basically. Right. And it's impossible to get carbon copies of them like you can with generic drugs. You have to, to grow another molecule that's similar. And the drug companies, the branded drug companies, are really pushing back, saying these are not the same. They need to go through a much more rigorous clinical testing. And who are the big biosimilar companies, just for examples? Well, it's quite ironic because a lot of the big biosimilar companies are the big branded drug makers because it's not as simple as opening a factory in India and copying right. the pills and pressing you know, millions of pills a day. It's uh, You need to have the fermenters. You need to have the sort of highly regulated, safe factories and so on. So it's people like Amgen. Pfizer itself is a big leader in biosimilars. Um, and so they're playing this sort of poacher gamekeeper trade, if you like, although they're playing the gamekeeper trade that bit harder because they make more money from keeping the brand out there. So there's this right. hedge that they have going into biosimilars. Finally, cancer medicines, Pfizer Right, spending all this money on this cancer company today. Until now, cancer has been seen as immune uh, from any pricing pressure whatsoever, really, partly because uh, some of the advances have been significant and payers are still willing to pay to add months or years to people's lives. Secondly, because it's a very tricky optic optic situation if you're going to take away drugs for people with cancer. Very interesting. Thank you very much, David Crow. Thank you. 